Very amusing. Your one-stop shop for the stories, secrets, and shenanigans of a popcorn-fueled theme park journalist. I'm Carly Weisel, and welcome to our very final episode of 2022. I almost said 2023, but we are not there yet. We are just a few days away, but we are not there yet. Now, I am recording this on the eighth night of Hanukkah on Christmas. Uh, They really lined up this year in a magical way. And... In our final days of Shrek's number, yes, our month dedicated to our debatably Jewish king, Shrek. I want to thank you all for enjoying the wild ride that is Shrek's number year three. I can't believe you've been doing this for this long. I can't believe DreamWorks acknowledged we existed on Twitter. It counts to me. It counts, it counts, it counts. They truly did. I posted it on my Instagram. I reposted it on Twitter. Uh, it's really, it's really special to, to know that they saw us. And I really hope that one day that same visibility can be paralleled in the park because uh, Universal has a whole bunch of zilch for uh, any, any referencing any sort of Hanukkah holiday. And I really think they just need to put a little vest on Shrek or something or something just to give us a little Shrek's ember wink wink, just to give anyone who's going to that parks who celebrates Hanukkah a, a little visual, a little visual to hang on to. Now this week, uh, as you know, last week we did our year-end episode, we flippy-flopped. This week we are talking about Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, which is in theaters now. I referenced a special interview last week, which unfortunately did not happen. (laughs) Listen, I get it. It's the end of the year. It is Christmas time. It is very hard to get anything sorted out during the month of December. So we tried our best. We tried our best for a very special Puss in Boots episode. It did not come through, but it is okay because we are still going to be here talking about Puss in Boots and answering a few very special calls on the Tro's hotline. We will get into all of that shortly, but I just wanted to mention up top that we will be taking a couple weeks off in January. I think just two. I think I was able to smoosh it down to two. Um, I will give you the official dates on when those episodes, when I will be away during those. Uh, I will announce it on social media. Just stay tuned. But I think we probably have one more and then we'll take a couple weeks off and then we'll be back again. Just a little, just a little break, just a teeny tiny little break just to plan some stuff for the spring. Otherwise, I hope you had a wonderful holiday. I hope you are enjoying time off if you have time off. If you are going to work, I hope everyone there is nice to you and they appreciate your time over the holidays. And stick around because we're going to get into Puss in Boots, which is a very good movie. A very good movie. Okay, I won't get ahead of myself. Stick around. We'll be right back. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back. 
For the very first time, a film within the extended Shrek universe is actually dropping during Shrek-Sember. A Shrek-Sember miracle. So naturally, we have to talk about Puss in Boots' The Last Wish. But on top of that, it's also a very good movie, like almost instant classic level. The reviews are excellent, which we will get into momentarily. But like I mentioned up top, we were—I don't want to peel back the curtain too much—but we were supposed to have an interview this episode. It didn't happen in time. A casualty of it being Christmas. However, we are still going to have a gloriously spoiler-free chit-chat about this new Shrekky entry out in theaters now. I mean, it really is wild to have a film tied to Shrek released during Shrek-sember in theaters, in theaters especially. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm very excited about this. Now, in case you don't know the extended Shrek film universe like the back of your hand, let me catch you up on the origin of this film itself. Puss in Boots The Last Wish, which we are talking about today, is the sequel to the original Puss in Boots released in 2011. That film was an origin story for the character voiced by Antonio Banderas, who is introduced within the Shrek universe in Shrek 2, so it's a bit of a prequel. Now, the plot of the 2011 Puss in Boots film is essentially one where Puss in Boots and his frenemy Humpty Dumpty plot to steal a goose that lays a golden egg and chaos ensues. I would go into further detail, but honestly, explaining this take on fairy tales through the lens of an animated film, it just... It sounds like mush. It's very, very confusing. But all you really need to know is that it's in that film that he also meets Kitty Softpaws, a romantic interest played by none other than Selma Hayek Pinault. Never forget, she is Selma Hayek Pinault now because she is married to the CEO of the parent company of Balenciaga, Gucci, Bottega Veneta, Saint Laurent, Alexander McQueen, as well as the founder of a holding company that contains Christie's and has a branded contemporary art museum, which is in Paris. I've been there. It's cool. They had a very cool exhibit in the middle of the rotunda. But anyway, I mention this just because, one, it is an incredible fun fact, and two, I must stress that she could fully just spend every day of her life on vacation in a new designer caftan, just wearing them and tossing them every single day for the rest of eternity. And Selma still chooses to spend her time voicing Kitty Softpaws in this very good movie, a Shrek's Ember hero, and for that, I forever love and respect her. Puss in Boots The Last Wish, the new sequel that debuted this Christmas just a few days ago, is a story that is also about friendship and selfishness and identity and even a little bit of gratitude. In the new film, we catch up with our hero only to discover that he has but one of his nine lives left. Oh no! With one final adventure that could lead to his ultimate demise or the opportunity to wish for his many lives back, he embarks on a journey that will change him and us forever. The plot of this film kind of unfolds like a board game with different locations and realms and destinations and other fairy tale inspired characters like Goldilocks, voiced by Florence Pugh. Yes, Florence Pugh is in this film. And Jack Horner, who I will admit I had no recollection of his nursery rhyme. But alas, he is here, he is villainous, and he is voiced by John Mulaney. The film also introduces a new character called Perito, who is glorious. I love Perito. He's the dopey character of the bunch, which we kind of see in a lot of animated films these days, but it's not like hey, hey, walking into like a trap door kind of thing. Like he is sweet and charming and wonderful. Voiced by Harvey Guillen of What We Do in the Shadows, which if you don't watch that, oh my God, you got to watch that show. It's 
Honestly, one of the best, sweetest animated side characters I've seen introduced in a while, and I love him very, very, very much. Now, if you've been hearing a lot about this film, which you probably have, even with Avatar out in theaters, it's because people are absolutely loving it myself included. I had someone tip me a few weeks before the film came out that it was actually legitimately so, 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 so good, which is why I planned on us talking about it here, because if it wasn't, we might have danced around it, but it's actually a excellent film. And the reviews match. This film currently at the time of recording has 95% on the Rotten Tomatoes tomato meter and a 93% audience score. (laughs) I even saw a tweet saying it was Florence Pugh's highest rated movie ever. (laughs) Again, I'm going to talk about this film and I'm not going to spoil any major plot points, but essentially we see Puss in Boots fighting for his last life and the adventure that goes along the way. But beyond the story itself, which is fantastic, it's also the animation style of this film that's getting a lot of the attention. Now, as you know, Uh, My expertise is not reviewing movies, so I'm not going to get too deep in the weeds, but I read a lot of reviews, and many of them are referencing Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse for The Last Wish's use of blending different animation styles, as well as Akira, the 1988 animated film, which I have not seen. That means nothing to me, but if you know animated films, it definitely means something to you. So alas, I will let the experts explain. Tasha Robinson at Polygon wrote about the film, Suddenly, the frame rate changes and the action becomes staccato, as if it was being filtered through a strobe light. The backgrounds disappear into a blur of anime-style motion lines. This is me cutting in. It doesn't. It's very cool. We're going back. Uh, And the colors go flat, with a backlit effect that makes the characters pop against the bright, simple backgrounds. Yep. It looks like another animation team is following in the footsteps of Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, incorporating a sense of anime stylization and 2D comic book art into a series previously known for its glossy 3D look. I love that review because that nails it. That is truly what's happening. It's a sentiment that was also echoed by Rafael Motomayor for IGN, who wrote... The camera movement is dynamic, unafraid to shift to inventive positions or give us unusual angles to place us right in the middle of the action, which at times feels like a big budget anime. The film even plays with frame rate like Into the Spider-Verse did, shifting between 24 and 12 frames depending on Puss's confidence. Again, I don't review movies. I don't know what that means. But <laughs> Raphael is dead on about how at times it really does feel like a big budget anime movie. And a story over on Sci-Fi, My Old Home, written by Josh Weiss, uh, mentions how Josh spoke to the film's director about it, who referenced that in the opening, they even used more hand-drawn techniques. So it's really this blend of different styles and action that make this movie so special. And I'm so glad it got a theatrical release. It's time in the sun, going up against Avatar and doing quite well from what I understand so far. But because it is Shrek Summer, we are here for one main reason, the Shrek of it all. Now there are a couple references here and there to Shrek in it. Some are bigger, some are blink and you'll miss it. But I'm not going to mention them here. I'm not going to call each one out individually because I don't want to give them away and spoil the film because it just came out. But thankfully, 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 friend of the podcast, Drew Taylor, did us all a Shrek-sember service and wrote the exact article we want. Yes, 
A story entitled Every Shrek Reference in Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. That's literally the title of the article. Couldn't be better. In that story, he quotes director Joel Crawford saying, I wanted to bring as much truth to Puss's world as possible. There's this excitement. It's so fun. The nostalgia of Shrek and to have these little cameos with characters from that world. But we were very cognizant of the fact that this is Puss in Boots's movie. This is his journey. And we didn't want it to just be like, remember this character? Remember that one? It's fun to get these little Easter eggs, but it doesn't distract from Puss in Boots being back. There are so many possibilities within the story that we already had, and we didn't want to throw anything else in. I will obviously be linking to Drew's story in the show notes. You should absolutely check it out after you've seen the film because some of them truly are so quick that you might miss them and others are a big deal and I want to talk about them here and I don't want to ruin anything, but I really want to talk about them and I don't want to ruin anything. One thing I do want to add though, as I watch through all the credits, there are also multiple music credits from Shrek 2, which I did not pick up on during the film. So be sure to keep an eye and an ear out for those. Either way, Puss in Boots The Last Wish is a wonderful film, a brilliant way to celebrate Shrek-sember, and I highly recommend you check it out. Thank you so much for being a part of Shrek-sember 2022. I cannot thank you enough. I cannot wait to celebrate once again next year, and I hope you enjoy the final days of our holiday season. Maybe just bite into an onion, or go see Puss in Boots. <laughs> Equally fun. Either way, thank you for being a part of this celebration each and every year, and I can't wait to do it again in 2023. Okay, you know that feeling that everyone knows something that you don't? For me, that used to be Quince but no more. Quince is a truly astounding retailer, essentially carrying everything a person on your mood board would wear. We're talking washable silk blouses, chic leather bags, 14 karat gold jewelry, European linen dresses. And the best part of all is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They're up here with $50 Mongolian cashmere sweaters. $50! Beautiful, timeless items you can wear and actually live in. Meaning, you don't have to be scared to bring them on your theme park travels. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And if you're sensitive to retailers like I am, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. But it's not just your everyday work-life clothes. They have everything. I recently joined a new gym, big deal for me, and desperately needed new workout clothes to wear there. It's kind of like an LA gym. It's like it kind of got to look cute. So I ordered a pair of their Ultraform bike shorts and high-rise pocket leggings. And when I tell you, the quality of these leggings is truly on par with brands I paid three times as much for, which really kind of makes me love these three times more. I'm not only going to buy them again, but actually buy the other travel stuff in my cart because they have things like beautiful pastel suitcases for 129 bucks and these wildly affordable compression packing cubes that I have been waiting forever to buy compression packing cubes and they're always so pricey and here the price fits. So if you want to get ready for work, your new gym, travel, anything in your life, go to Quince. Quince.com slash amusing will get you free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Ooh, that's nice for someone who puts stuff off like I do. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash amusing to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash amusing.
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. This is Ashley Khan from Augusta, Georgia. In January, myself, my husband, and our baby, who will be 18 months old at that point, are heading down to Disney World. I am running two of the races in the Walt Disney World Marathon weekend. Um, and so we are just taking a nice long trip so that we can uh, run these races and then relax and then go to parks and then relax some more. So I am calling to get your recommendations for things that we can do on our days off. So basically, we're like running uh, two days and then taking a day off and then going to the park for two days and taking, you know, taking another day off and then going to the park and then taking a day off. So we, have, we have several, several rest days in between um, our fun park days. And I am looking for uh, places to eat, to things to do that we can uh, do to keep our baby from getting bored in the hotel room. Um, she's walking and running, but not quite old enough to do things like swim in a pool and also it'll be cold. And uh, we are staying at Art Animation, so I believe that's on the Skyliner. So just things that maybe we could do pretty easily without having to drive a bunch or do a bunch of hauling around. Um, but that would also just be fun to get her out of the room for a little while, and, and it will still allow me to rest our legs. Hope you can help. Thanks. So usually I would start tossing way too much stuff at you, but it sounds like you already have a lot on your plate. You have a small child, you're going to the parks, you're going to be running races. So I don't want to overwhelm you, especially because you're not going to go to the pool. It's cold out. There's a lot going on. I will have more expertise on this very soon, so I will do my best. But as someone who likes to see new scenery constantly while traveling, I'm just delighted to see something new while at Disney World. I'm going to toss a bunch of hotel-based options at you. As you know, uh, you have direct access to Pop Century just next to your hotel, and you have Skyliner access to Caribbean Beach and Riviera Resort. Now, to get to Riviera, you'll have to transfer at Caribbean Beach, which means you'll physically exit and board another Skyliner. And I'm kind of like, since you have to transfer there anyway, you might as well get off and walk around for a little. It's not my favorite Disney resort. It's a bit sprawling and out of concern for your legs and all the activity you're doing. You could spend a little time here, you could not. Honestly, none of the dining here has ever been my favorite. So if you want to, like, play in a patch of sand, fine. Otherwise, I think we can do better elsewhere on property. Personally, I would send you straight to Disney's Riviera Resort, where they have that big grassy lawn that could be nice to sit in if it's nice out, and they also have pretty solid but flexible dining options throughout the day. This isn't the type of place where if you roll up without a set reservation, you're going to have nothing to eat. It's actually quite the contrary. There's Primo Piatto, Primo Piatto, which I feel like you gotta you gotta put some sauce on it. Uh, it's a quick service restaurant, which has a solid breakfast menu, but also options like pizzas and sandwiches. There's also bar. Eva, which has salads and entrees, but 
items ranging from baked brie to mushroom arancini, which is stuff you can't always find at Disney World, which is why that place sticks out to me and I would maybe recommend it. But there's also a coffee shop inside, Le Petit Cafe, which has little pastries and snackies if you're more in that mood. This place really has a lot of options for just casual dining throughout the day, which is why I think it's a good fit for your trip. I'd check those out and see what you're in the mood for upon arrival. None have reservations, so you can just kind of roll up and check them out. But because you have Skyliner access to Epcot, you can also toddle around the areas of Yacht and Beach Club, as well as Disney's Boardwalk, relatively easily. Grabbing some food and just hanging out at Boardwalk could be a nice break because they also have a grassy area where you can sit and your toddler can dance around while looking at the water. It's just a nice place to take a load off. You could also go to Beach and Yacht and sit in the sand by the water, even get some yummies at Beaches and Cream if you're me because I can't turn down an ice cream cone. But you could also make a whole little loop of it and take a friendship boat back to Hollywood Studios and hop on the Skyliner back to your hotel from there. Easy peasy. And you don't need park admission for that to be able to take the boat to Hollywood Studios to get back on the Skyliner. It does sound like your legs are going to be sore, which is why I don't want to push too much more on you. But I do want to float that conversely on another day, you could always take a bus to the Magic Kingdom and hop on the monorail and have a meal at the Contemporary, the Polynesian, or at Grand Floridian. My personal vote would be to go to Disney's Polynesian Village Resort because I love to sit on that beach, especially at nighttime, dinner time, watch the fireworks, hang out. You can also get a Dole Whip. You can get a fun drink. You can just get a quick service dinner. All are great options. But if you're if you're like, eh, I want to do something else, I would also recommend watching the electrical water pageant from the dock at Grand Floridian. It's usually pretty quiet over there, and I'm like 75% sure they have benches there. I remember there being a bench. I feel like there's a bench. I would bank on there being a bench. So you could rest your legs if need be at that time of night. Also, just going to shout it out once again. I've said it many times. The macaroni and cheese at Gasparilla Island Grill is my favorite. It is absolutely delicious, and I, I just want you to raise your child right. I hope this helps. I hope you have a wonderful trip and let me know if you have any other questions. Have so much fun. Hi, Carly. I have a Genie Plus question, which I know you get a million of, but this one's kind of specific to my situation. Um, I am going in January with my husband and my little ones, and I will be pretty pregnant at the time. Um, so we're not going to be able to go on any of, like, the big ticket rides. And I'm just curious if you think at Disney World buying Genie Plus will be even necessary. Um, I'm thinking, if anything, we might buy it for our Magic Kingdom day just because there's so many rides. But I haven't been since Genie Plus started, um, and I'm just very overwhelmed by the whole thing. And if I don't have to learn another thing for a Disney trip, that would be great. So should I buy it? Do I need to learn it? What are your thoughts? Can we get away if I'm not doing any coasters and whatnot with just skipping it and saving that money? Thank you. Love the show. Bye-bye. A little background information for the listeners before I answer this call. I needed some more detail, so this caller and I texted about it, and the kids are under 40 inches, and their husband is only going to do Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind, so everyone is really in it together on the old no roller coasters for the family on this trip. 
Now, in terms of advice, even though I am pregnant, I am not an expert on what you can and cannot ride. So general disclaimer, please do not sue me. Yes, I do have a trademark lawyer and they sent me some wonderful cookies this holiday season to thank me for their business. Thank you, Jordan. They were delicious. But I really don't want to use them for if I get sued. So for anyone listening, any pregnant people wanting to go on rides, either when this episode comes out or a thousand years in the future when, I don't know, a hologram of me is repeating this, please consult your doctor to confirm details. I'm not a doctor. Um, I am just giving speculative advice. Please don't sue me. Okay, (laughs) let's do this. Now, All Ears has a really great list broken up by Park on what attractions pregnant women typically can go on. I will link to that in the show notes, and we're going to talk about it here. However, I I do think for Magic Kingdom, if you're going to want to jam in as many rides and attractions as possible, Genie Plus will absolutely help you do that, especially for things like Jungle Cruise and Peter Pan's Flight, which have longer wait times. Since you're not trying to cram in some of the biggies like Space Mountain, Splash Mountain, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, what you want to do, what you want to accomplish at Magic Kingdom is doable without Genie Plus. It all just comes down to price versus ease. If you want to go without Genie Plus, just definitely get there early so you can take advantage of shorter lines. As we recapped in last week's episode with Brooke McDonald, if you are staying on property, make sure to use that early morning benefit to get more done. Plan to spend more time in the park tackling more things because you will be waiting the full amount for everything you want to experience. That said, Epcot is sneakily one you might want to keep an eye out for for Genie Plus. Because of a few of their bigger ticket rides, namely Remy's Ratatouille Adventure and Frozen Ever After, are included on All Ears' OK list and seem and appear to be pregnancy-friendly. Also note that Frozen has a drop at the end, so just check with your doctor, don't sue me, just want to flag that. They do tend to rack up long waits as though they were a thrill ride, even though they're not. Also, I believe you said your kids were close to 40 inches. I can't remember if they were 40 flat, but keep in mind, Soren is a 40 inch height minimum. So if your kids are tall enough, they may want to do Soren, something you can't do, but is another of the most popular rides at Epcot. Essentially, I don't, I'm feeling the same struggle you are. <laughs> it all comes back to the same issue every single time. I do believe you can undoubtedly get everything you want to get done on this trip without Genie Plus. It just comes down to how long you're okay with waiting in line for and what your priorities are. If the idea of waiting in 40 to 60 minute lines, depending on crowds, for multiple non-thrill rides doesn't drive you absolutely bananas, then forget Genie Plus. Just give it a chance. And if an hour or two into the day, you're like, oh no, then maybe buy it and then use it from there. You won't get the full effect of it, You'll, but still, you'll have it. And if it seems like I'm waffling, if it seems like I can't decide which is best for you, it's because it all comes down to something you said in your own call. If I don't have to learn another thing for a Disney trip, that would be great. Because you shouldn't have to. You shouldn't have to stress about spending more money to access the rides in the parks you already paid for when you chose to go. If you're tired, if you're stressed, I'm tired and I am stressed for you. Because it shouldn't take... It shouldn't take analyzing data. It shouldn't take advanced planning. It shouldn't take this much work to decide if when you go on Haunted Mansion, it's going to be a miserable hour standing in place trying to board, or if you throw X amount of dollars at it for your family of four, if it'll make or break your Disney day. 
I'm sorry that I don't have the right answer for you. I wish it was definitive, but it really all comes down to, is it worth the price for you to wait in a few less lines? And if it is, then I recommend getting it. And if you would rather wait standby and try it out, then I recommend doing that. Again, we do have our standalone Genie Plus episode with Brooke, where we explore all different options for what you can do. But I feel ya. I wish these parks were easier to visit. I don't know how the system of reserving Fast Pass Plus in advance was somehow easier easier, but it was. And I feel your stress and I feel your anxiety and I wish I could make it better. The thing is, at the end of the day, you can always throw money at it. Uh, but unfortunately, that is also an option that is annoying. <laughs> so I hope this was mildly helpful. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful trip. And again, if you are stressed, there is a price tag on how to alleviate that stress, even though it does involve uh, <laughs> using Genie Plus. Again, uh, just just make just, you'll have a great time. You'll have a great time. I will talk about this forever if I don't uh, hang up <laughs> my response to this call. But I wish you luck. And Genie Plus stinks, and I wish it was easier to visit these expensive parks. Okay, have a great time. Bye. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. for listening. Thank you for tuning in for this and every Shrek member, and thank you for listening all year long. If you missed any episodes throughout 2022, you can check them out. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, you can follow us on Spotify, and while you're there, be sure to rate and review the podcast. It helps people find out about us and keeps us going. If you have any burning theme park questions you'd like to get answered, you can give us a call at 747churros. You can text that as a voice note to 747churros or email it to 747churros at gmail.com. You can even get very amusing merchandise at very-amusing.com. Follow me at Carly Wiesel on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, and be sure to join the FOMILY at facebook.com slash groups slash Carly Wiesel. This episode and every single episode this year was edited devotedly by Jeff Fox. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful, healthy, and happy new year, and I'll see you real soon. Hi, honey. It's mom. This should be called the love episode because I love every single thing you put on here today. Especially starting with the snacks. I know your favorite love is popcorn and then 
pretzels with cheese. I think I got that right. All right, then you went to Brooke. Brooke McDonald, I swear, she's the best. And she, I have a feeling she lives at Disney. I'm really starting to believe that. And I think she lives above the apartment, or within the apartments above the barbershop. I am almost definite about that. I love her. She's great. Then you had my other favorite, Andrew Barth Feldman. Okay, he is such a delight. I love him. He is so much fun. He is always smiling, and I'm so happy that we get to hang out with him when we were on the Disney Wish. He was just wonderful. Then you go to Bobby Monahan, who, okay, how did you beat these all these Muppets? And six times he hosted the Muppets. That is so cool. He is awesome. I do miss him on SNL, though. So he met Gonzo, and he, and, but you know what I thought of? When we were away on vacation one time, you had a rush home because you had an interview with Miss Piggy. All right, let this, let this settle. You had an interview with Ms. Piggy. That was so huge. That was such a great interview. I love that as well. But my favorite, even including the episode that I was on, so you know this is big, my favorite episode ever was the two-part John Stamos. Not because he's, like, drop-dead gorgeous, not because he's so talented, and not because I love him. He was so much fun and so into Disney. It was so great, and I love that he had me at Hi, Audrey. Love you, John Stamos. I love you, Carly. Very happy to hear Spider-Man is Jewish. I got the best gift for Hanukkah for my grandson. He will love it, and it's a Jewish gift, so I love that. And speaking of Hanukkah, the best way to celebrate Carly this Hanukkah is to give her a five-star rating on Very Amusing because she is entertaining, enthusiastic, she's worth it, and it's free. So please give her five stars. I appreciate it. Love you all, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.